Okay, let's pray, and then we'll uh, we'll take a shot at this, okay? So, we're coming to near the end of the church here. Not quite there yet. A couple of Sundays, but uh, let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, through your Son, you've assured us that our sins are forgiven, and you've promised to deliver us from eternal death. From now till then, strengthen us by your Holy Spirit, that we daily increase in your faith, and through Christ live in grace, so that the hope in us does not die, but that when we fall asleep, we're raised to everlasting life, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Um, A couple of things. Uh, You know, it's fun. One of the interesting, one of the things we're horrible at at St. John is self-promotion. Uh, I mean, things happen and you don't even know they're happening and I don't know they're happening. So I woke up, you know, Thursday morning or Friday morning to find out that Steve Chester, Marty Johnson and Jan Gerzeski were hopping in a truck that was pulling a trailer with chainsaws, a cat, a, 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 you know, a little bobcat and uh, a bunch of gas cans and they're driving out to, they'd been assigned, they're driving out to the East Coast to work on the coast in New Jersey at a little town that I recognize that I can't remember what the name of it is. But um, so, I mean, that's the coolest thing going, that you have people here who will take a couple of days off work. And so what we want to do is uh, we want to collect money to whatever you put in the basket today. It'll go to them to pay for gas, for chainsaws, for the you know bulldozer. It's about 30 bucks a day for each of them to stay. So, that, I mean, they didn't ask for anything. They just go out of pocket and they take off and we, you know, we just smell the fumes as they drive away. I mean, in some ways, that's kind of cool. In another way, you need to know about it because you want to be happy for them and keep them in your prayers. So if you throw some money in, it's going to go to them, and uh, that's really nice. So, and here's the thing. Um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of the game, but in a way, you know, as we sort of get things refinanced and we get the school and church sold and property comes in and that kind of things, you know, money will loosen up a little bit. And if you're, if you're inclined to go do something like that, let us know and let us help you um, defray the expenses for years and years. For ever since I've been here, I've always found money, especially for high school and college kids who wanted to do everything from spend the summer at Westfield House to go to Mexico or to South America. I mean, always kids have, who've come in, we've always dug up $1,000 or $1,500 to give them to go places. It's okay for adults, too. I mean, if, we can, if you want to go someplace and do some merciful things, you know, that's a really cool thing, you know, let us know. We'll try to find some money. We'll figure it out some way. Because if you want to spend your time going help other people, we want to help you. We want to pray for you. We want to rejoice in that. And um, so maybe that's a place where we need to do a little better job of self-promotion and then also of kind of letting you know. So, but, of course, things happen on the spur of the moment, too, so you don't always know what's happening. Make sense? Yep. So it's, um, you know what? It's just, it cannot be better. Plus, I do want to say the music and the service was Really fantastic this morning. Uh, you know, you're always nervous about, uh, you know, frankly, I thought you guys might come in and be Alabama. You know, you had the big win last week, and then you come in, and all of a sudden it's 20 to nothing. You don't know what hit you. But no, you came right through. So uh, it was very, very well played. Uh, and I still hate Notre Dame. They should put an asterisk by their 10 and 0. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole other story. All right. How'd you do with your five minutes every morning and every night? You, have, you had two weeks to practice. How'd that work for you? Oh, I know. It was great, wasn't it? Every one of you. You're sitting there like this, like, I've cleared five minutes on my schedule in the morning and in the afternoon. I've cleared it. I've done it every day. I wish I knew what to do. That's what you were saying, right? Bruzek won't tell us what we should do. I'm sitting here with nothing to do. That's how it was for all of you, right? Yeah, okay. 
So the widow had a mite, and she cast it. See, everything about the church is meant to embarrass you. No, it's not true. So, uh, so here's the thing. I'll just give you your next homework assignment, which is, you know, it's easy to catch up. Try, if you can. So I'll be gone next Sunday, but the vicar will be here, and he's going to do a classic work from Luther about um, uh, praying, meditation, and, and suffering. So that'll be fun. So the vicar's going to go next week, so do come back next week. He's, and it's kind of right in step, but from now till two weeks from now, uh, at the very least, see if you can clear five minutes in the morning. Just if you sit down at your desk, you know, put your email up and pretend like you're reading something. I give you this dispensation. You know, trick your boss into thinking that you're doing something productive. Uh, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. Morning and evening, classic prayer times in the psalm, everywhere. Acts, the Jesus, everybody did it. You can do it too. Um, and I guess I would just say to you, kind of... Uh, if you need to fill, just sit down at first, just, just make the time. If you can just get yourself to make the time, that's the hardest thing. Then I would suggest to you just at least fill it with the Lord's Prayer. You can say it once, you can say it a couple times, you can say it, you can think about it. This Jesus Prayer that we kind of taught everybody, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, that's a normal thing that, you know, in many, many people say that, you know, hundreds, thousands of times a day. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You can use Luther's morning and evening prayer. You don't have to f- not, f- you don't have to fill all the space because one of the things that we're going to talk about when I get back is silence. And um, I was struck today, as I often am, uh, during the consecration of the host, tons of kid noise. But what's really interesting is by the, by the time of the consecration of the chalice, dead silence. It's amazing how, you know, the spirit kind of flows in there and, and you sort of, there's this great focus of attention. Part of it is because there's smoke. Part of it is because there's color. Part of it is because we, you know, stand up and sit down. Part of it is you kneel. Part of it is because the pastor genuflects. There's enough motion that kind of brings everything to focus and then you get silence. So there's a little clue in that. But what I'd like you to do for the next couple of weeks, if you want to play along, you know, if not, fine, but you'll, I'm going to try to convince you today you'll be better for it. If you want to play along, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. The most important thing is just schedule a time with yourself and the little baby Jesus. At the very least, just say the Lord's Prayer. Say it once and relax. Did you see the, uh, there was a, was an MSN, you know, or maybe it was, I don't know. There was a news feed someplace about the happiest man on earth. Did you see this this week? He was a, he's a Buddhist monk, actually. And the way they measure uh, happiness is they measure the gamma waves in your brain, the brain when you're happy. This guy is off the charts. And they sort of said, you know, why is it? He said, well, he's been meditating on compassion for the last 30 years. It's the only thing he thinks about in meditation all day long. Now, that's very interesting. Uh, we, wouldn't embrace, we wouldn't embrace that in the way of the church. However, it is very interesting. They'd studied his brain. Actually, the, the meditation has rewired his brain. Now, here's the thing. That's the same thing we said last week. That's the, same th- the very same thing we said. Luther said this. He rearranges the furniture in your heart. When he says heart, when they say brain, they're talking about the same thing. They're talking about the point that feels something, in this case, feels compassion. I mean, the silent time actually rewires your brain. You know, it's like incense. Incense is the great, you know, one of the great things about incense is, I've said this to you before, is now there are scientific studies that say it lifts depression. The smell lifts depression. It rewires your brain. Okay. So it's interesting, um, even, a, you know, even a Buddhist contemplation on human compassion 
is enough sort of in a natural law sort of way to change things for you, how much more when the Holy Spirit goes to work on you. So here's what I'm going to try to convince you to do today. I'm going to try to tell you what the benefits of this are, far beyond, you know, making the brain waves um, look like you're happy to somebody else. We don't care so much about that. What we care desperately about is that you live in the image of Christ, that you're tugged into his orbit. That's where we're going. That's part of the reason to do this. Okay, so um, we'll talk about what the advantages of that are. And, um, if I, you know, just give it a try. You don't have to fill the time. If you could just mark the time. If you want to fill the time, the Lord's Prayer, the Jesus Prayer, Luther's morning or evening prayer, don't feel like you have to fill it, you know, all 300 seconds. You can give, just give yourself some silence. It'll be fine. And then come back next week. The vicar will do something. Then the following week, we'll actually talk about silence and um, the practical steps about this. So if you want to go longer than five minutes, we'll kind of fill some things out when we come back. Okay, so everybody okay? Good? <laughs> See if you can do it. Yes, Mr. Shuey. Uh, let me pose an advocate of the bad guy. Sure. Just a second since we're on this subject. Yes. There were a lot of us who have been members a long time in our little church where we didn't have the beautiful common space that we have now, which was for fellowship and... and yeah. Yeah, the other thing is it does, and even beyond that, it, it kind of, and I realize that we do this too, there's a lot of greeting with ushers and talking with people, and that kind of goes right down the, you know, I thought about what we could do. One thing is we could do, we could shut the middle doors, and we could funnel, that would keep a lot of the, lot of the talk out. But anyway, point taken, which is people come, and see, that's, you're an old school guy. You were taught to come and prepare and maybe genuflect and make the sign of the cross and sit quietly and prayers before worship and all that. So it's a point uh, well taken. It is, a, it is, you're right, but it, and it is a push and a pull because in some sense, um, I've been in a lot of crabby churches with great music. Uh, so it, go, it cuts both ways. So you're right, and you're right too. But the other side is, is um, there is sort of this joy at, of being at St. John, and sometimes that kind of spills in. So I, I, point taken, and I think you're right. I think what I, we need to do it, though, is just to soften the edges of it, which is, generally, you know, as you enter into the sanctuary, sort of kind of toned down. However, you know, when you watch kids and they, little kids who are happy to be in church, they touch the water, they talk to each other, they throw their arms, you greet your friends. It's kind of this both and. So it was actually a very nice piece. Thank you very much. And um, we do, you know, think of that music as, as what sort of settles you into the space. So, you know, as you, as you move in, you know, we want, to, we want to be careful not to have hard edges, and yet we want to observe the wisdom of what Carol and Bill both said. So kind of, and if we can do that sort of gently, you know, in all families and all communities, it works best when you're sort of under the gospel and everybody kind of self-pleases as opposed to doing that. So, um, you know, so uh, point taken uh, in all directions. Good, thanks. Anything else? It was really good music, though. It was really well played today, so thank you very much. All right, so here you go. Um, did you, do you have a new sheet? One that says 4, 4B. Yeah, I'm just going to go right to 4B. Um, although I had a couple of things, I tried to pick them up. 
from last time. So, uh, you know, just kind of go to, to 4B. So, um, you know, your five minutes, you know, and I'm just starting you with five minutes because you've got to start somewhere. A minute, you can't even get your pulse down, you know, a minute. But, you know, if you just start five minutes, it really is worth it. Why is this? This is the thing that stopped Luther from being a hater. Now, I know this is theoretical and happened 500 years ago, and none of you have ever run into a Lutheran who's a hater. I know it's true. Not here. Or anywhere. They're everywhere. Lutheran love, just like this. They're synonymous, right? <laughs> but it was, it was meditation uh, in, it was meditation. Luther tells us it was meditation uh, in the way that he defines meditation. It was meditation that taught him to love. Very interesting. He hated he hated God. It wasn't just that he hated other people. You can go, I've given you the text, you can go read it. He said, I hated God. And the more I read the scriptures, the more I hated him. Because I knew that I could never measure up, and I knew he was hating me back. And then, you know, it's this great thing that he writes about Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Uh, you know, the just shall be made righteous. The righteous, or the just shall live by faith when he realized that both righteousness and faith were gifts of God. So it's the righteousness of Christ that's given to you, and that's given to you when the Holy Spirit comes to you, establishes a beachhead in your heart, gives you the gift of faith, and enlivens you, resurrects you like the sermon today. That's when he realized that he didn't have to earn his salvation. And as soon as he realized that God loved... He, I mean, here's the thing. This is very, very simple stuff. He thought God hated him, so he hated God back. When he realized God loved him, he loved God back. Make sense? This is going to explain why meditation, in the sense that we're defining it, works, because like attracts like. And in, in fact, even when it comes to Scripture, like creates like. Okay? So the divine love teaches you to love not only God but other people. It's a very simple thing. But it's big, big, big change. And you only get it if you're exposed to the divine thing. And you're only exposed to the divine thing if there's time and place and exposure. You don't get exposed to it on the golf course. I'm sorry, you don't. You, you might have a memory of it. Or if you're you know, playing on Sunday afternoon, then you are. But if you're playing Sunday morning during the Eucharist, you're not exposed to the grace that you get at the Eucharist. You're just not. Okay, it's not the same. So um, here we go. Uh, it was by meditating day and night of Romans 1.17, the righteous shall live by faith, that Luther learned that these are gifts. And I don't split, and I consciously do not split. I leave the word, word, ambiguous, and I do that intentionally so that you won't split word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and word of God in the scriptures that testifies to the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. I leave the word ambiguous because I want you to think about both things. They are not separated. They're not uncoupled. It's not like there's some Jesus who lives apart from the revelation that's been given in Scripture. It's not like there's some Scripture that's talking about some idea. These two things are always together. So I intentionally capitalize the word because both Christ and Scripture deserve our respect. You know, we fear, love, and trust, as the, as the catechism says. But I, I intentionally leave it ambiguous because I always mean both and, and they're not split, okay? So that's, um, it's intentional that it comes to you that way. Word, incarnate in Scripture, and he came to love the Lord to give such gifts. Jesus loves me, I love Jesus back. My wife loves me, I love my wife back. My friends love me, I love, I love my friends back. That's how the world works. 
So, in practice, meditation goes like this. And now, this you've heard, but I just want to give it to you. It's a rational activity. Only human beings do it. Your dog doesn't do it. Even though you think, you know, today when you go home and your dog wants a treat, you think your dog is loving you and concentrating on you. Your dog just wants a treat, okay? All right, good. So, I know, sorry to, sorry to, burst, your, sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, what we're talking about here is just, we're not talking about dog feelings. This is just human stuff. Meditation is more than just thinking. It is loving. So classically, a human being has been defined by intellect that sees and a heart that feels and chooses. So your intellect sees, but you may not take it. You may see, you may see her, but you may not love her. Of course, that's not very good in your case. It's both things. Yes, that's right. So I see her with my intellect, and then I love her with my heart. So the first part, the demons see Jesus and they tremble. They know he's divine. But they don't love him. So the intellect sees. That's not enough. It's that you both see and that you embrace. Okay, good. So it's chewing on something. And I gave you this last week. This is different from... The something is what makes it different from a, from a Buddhist or from transcendental meditation or anything else. It is the object, you know, that changes you. It's because you're meditating on Jesus. Because you're chewing moaning for, muttering, musing, stopping, stalling, talking, hearing, concentrating, savoring, swallowing. Luther uses all these words for what happens when you meditate on an icon, meditate on a crucifix, meditate on a piece of scripture, think about the creed, listen to the Ten Commandments. He uses the same word. You're absorbing this, you know, just like you absorb strength from your food, okay? So it's chewing on something. Meditation has a divine object, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, okay? And what happens is you see Him, and you know Him, and you love Him. So, and then here's the payoff. Meditation changes us, and it changes all of us. It changes how you see people that used to think... I mean, the text today is great. So the Pharisees looked, and they saw poor people like the poor women, and they didn't mark her as someone worthy. They saw her, and she didn't matter. You actually, your intellect, you see value in every human being, for example, and you embrace that value, you love from the heart, and you physically give. You see how you can't split these things? All the things that you have, Jesus changes everything. He changes the way you see. He changes the way you feel. He changes the way you act. How does he do that? He does that because his Holy Spirit goes to work on you. If you refuse the Eucharist, if you don't listen to the Word, if you don't have devotions, if you don't say your prayers... You know, or if you're caught in great sin. You know, if you have a, if you have a, this is mortal and venial sin. If you're, you know, if you're, if you're caught in a great sin, all these things block the Holy Spirit. So the point of this is, is to be in orbit around Christ. Christ comes to you and he said to each one of you, I love you, you're mine. I love you, you're mine. I forgive you, I love you, I want what's best for you. I want to bless you, I want to take you home. I want you to be part of my church. I want you to work hard for me. I want you to love strangers like I love strangers. I want you to be merciful the way I'm merciful. I want you to say your prayers because I'm listening. And I want you to pray for other people because they need your prayers. I want you to act just like me. This is the very first day. Christ presses you into his image. How does he do that? He tells you about himself. He gives himself to you. He lives inside you. Galatians 2.20 Not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or the great... Uh, antiphon today for the psalm about you know exchanging the poverty for riches. That was genius. Um, so anyway, 
Meditation as an object, it's the Word made flesh. Meditation changes us. And this is the end part from last time, that it rearranges our emotion, it moves us, it helps us make sense of the world, it orders us, because chaos, evil is disorder, it puts our things in order, it protects us. One of the long discussions I had uh, with Kleinig when he was here, we'll talk about this another day maybe, one of the long discussions, I, it was uh, fascinating, but in a in a disturbing way, the amount of stuff that he, uh, the realist, the real things of evil he engages. And it was interesting to hear him talk about how he actually uses in these encounters, because um, he goes see he goes into these societies that are just rife with the occult, and with abuse, with spiritual abuse, and difficulty and pagan gods. And you talk to him, and it's like. So a lot of the, and, and what happens is then that spills over on, and one of the challenges of being a pastor for him is that he finds himself under attack. Um, and then, of course, what he needs to do is defend himself from that. And it was very interesting to hear him talk about how, for instance, you know, Satan can't bear to hear the creed. So I was thinking about the creed at the altar this morning, how, you know, the creed does a double thing. It fills the sanctuary with angels. And at the same time, it chases away anything that's demonic. You know, that words actually matter. They, they cleanse. They chase away. So the very, and it's really interesting. It's very common, simple stuff. But it's like, you know, it's like we, were having, we had a long talk about how Satan can't bear to hear the name of Jesus Christ. So if you find yourself under attack, one of the, things you, one of the simplest things you can do is say the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. To say the Our Father and to say it aloud because we talked about this last year, but that Satan can't um, read your thoughts. He can't read your mind. Only God is given to your heart. But when you say it aloud, we talked about this last week, when you put these things into the air, you fill the air with sound, with words, with meaning, with power, and that is impossible for the demonic to be around. Very much like I told you once before in baptism, once you're baptized, you know, St. John Chrysostom, the great thing where he says, you wear Jesus on your forehead, you say, and Satan can never attack you directly because um, it's as if you have this beacon shining from your where the cross was put on you, where the name was put. And so when he comes to get you, he always has to turn his face and he can never get a direct blow. It's one of the things that saves you. One of the, things, one of the reasons your baptism saves you is that the mnemonic can never put a direct, can't actually land a direct glove on you. You can be, you can be hurt. You know, but you can't be destroyed. So it's it's very interesting. These things to be able to say it aloud is the most practical way of defending yourself. When you, you know, very simple things like Jesus save me or Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me or saying the Our Father or saying the Ten Commandments or saying the Creed. Those liturgic. Another reason for the liturgical elements is so that you have them in your memory. If you don't have them in your memory, you've got nothing. When you're troubled, you have nothing. It's one of the great reasons to have the liturgy because even your kids now, even your kids have something. And you have to understand how, how darkness flees from light. You know, in the same way that you savor what happens at the altar, that's a stench to the demonic. And all those things, the colors, the incense, the sound, the words, the chant, the action, all of that pushes back the darkness. So, I mean, you take that with you out into the world and it protects you from what is evil. And if you find yourself challenged by what is evil, we're going to do this later, but one of the things, when you find yourself challenged by what is evil, you've got this whole arsenal of stuff that, um, you know, that, that brings you into rebellion against the darkness. Here's the thing. There's no great 
There, one, of the, one of the things you'd be surprised about um, in engaging the demonic and spiritual warfare is how basic it is. It's not complicated, but it takes a tremendous amount of courage. But it's not complicated. It's, for instance, when we do a house blessing or when we go to a place where there's been a suicide or demonic activity or something like that, it's not complicated. We don't do, we don't do anything other than we do normally, but we do it with purpose. We vest, we process, we bring a crucifix, we light incense, we say prayers, we anoint the house. Those sorts of things, those things are, you know, they're repulsive to what is evil. And that's in the same way with people. You know, so the thing is, is this stuff, I can't, the great thing that Luther figured out was that the words do the work, that words actually matter. Words are extraordinarily cheap in our society. The presidential election on both sides was an example of how cheap words are. And yet at the same time, it was an example of how powerful they are. Because if you say things often enough, they have force and people believe it. How much more so when you actually use the word of God, energized by the Holy Spirit, when God stands behind you, you know, and fills and fills your house or fills your sanctuary with angels, how much more? You see. So what I'm begging you to do is engage this, even for a little bit, quite intentionally, morning and evening, because it saves you, it protects you, it helps you. It saves, protects, and helps those whom you love. It even saves, helps, protects your friends and family who don't go to church. It even saves, helps, protects your enemies, the people you hate. Because, of course, you know, you can't have any enemies. That's up to God. So the reason to do this is that this reorders the world. It changes the world. It changes you, and it changes the world. That's the reason you do it. And you do it whether you can see it or not. You do it because Jesus has said to you, this is a very good thing for you to do. When you pray, pray this way. When you live, live this way. And when you do that, you push back the darkness and you chase away the demonic and your life will be more beautiful and more better. Okay? Yes, Don? Can I just make another point for... Yeah, it's really, it's, it is true. It's really, that's a very, very good example. And that woman is looking for a church and she's you know, trying to find a place where she'll be accepted. So that was a good pull. It took us a month or two to get her here. So thanks for sitting with her. That was good. All right, keep going here. Meditation changes us, and I've tried to explain to you how, all those things that happen. Meditation, and this kind of pulls back then the notion that this is any sort of works righteousness, but we always need to say it, because not only because it's true, but because I don't want you to have any doubts about what you're doing. It makes us passive and receptive. Okay. Now, in the first instance, what does that mean? The object of our meditation, Jesus Christ, you've heard me say this a hundred times before, does the verbs. So when you sit down in silence... And you remember your baptism, adore the Eucharist, say a prayer, read a text. Jesus is making the first move. It is Jesus who's coming to you, Jesus who is dwelling in you, Jesus who is touching you, Jesus who is speaking to you, Jesus who is giving you his spirit, Jesus who is changing you, Jesus who is rearranging your emotions, Jesus who is focusing your thoughts. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Just in case anybody from a higher office is listening, Jesus, 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 okay? So Jesus does the verbs, okay? That's very, very important, and we live by the energy of his spirit. We don't run by our own steam. He gives us words to say. He gives us the spirit of life. And then last week, we heard that great quote from Luther where he says, meditation releases, like when you rub an herb in your hand and you can smell it, 
by saying the words out loud, you release the grace that's in them. It strikes you. It comes off of your tongue. It fills the room. It hits your ear. It goes to your heart. And it lets you feel in a new way. Okay? And I sort of end this by saying, it's not just he redirects. You know, that's your heart. He rearranges. I'm sorry. He rearranges your emotions. That's your heart. It redirects your thoughts. That's your mind. He reorders your lives, making you more merciful. Christmas sharing, Christmas sharing, Christmas sharing, Grace School, Christmas sharing. He points you toward what Jesus would do if he was here, right? And here's the thing. That's just what Christians do. So, you know, here's the thing. Marty and Jan and and, um, Steve, you know, they just like suddenly, because they know how to run a chainsaw, I mean, suddenly they pack up and drive to the East Coast. It's nuts and really cool, right? So, turn the page. Thus, Luther can say, we meditate properly on the gospel when we do sacramentally. Look at that. Luther's one of us. We're one of him. Right? Sacramentally. Why? Because it has to do with stuff. When we meditate sacramentally, for through faith the words produce in us what they portray. The words do do what they say. They not only make us feel better, they make us act in a particular way. It's sacramental. It has action. It has to do with human beings and stuff. Okay? The words do what they say. So, and I said this to you last week, Basically, why, why do this? Because it blesses you. It blesses you, it blesses your family, it blesses your church, it blesses the world. It pushes back the darkness. It makes the demons uncomfortable. It strengthens you. And when you're weak, you strengthen others. Others are strengthening you. That's the reason you do it. So, four, how do you get started? Well, here's the deal. You already are. Luther says this in the first commandment, but he also says it about meditation. If, you're, if you've ever read the large catechism, Luther says, everybody has a God. The notion that you don't have a God, that's ludicrous. Everybody has a God. Everybody has a God. A God is whatever you grab onto when you're in trouble. So whatever you grab onto, if it's money, if it's somebody else, if it's a false God, if it's a true God, everybody has a God. In the same way Luther says, everybody meditates. Meditate just means what your thoughts stall on, all the way to be an obsessive-compulsive. So when you're not thinking about anything, what are you thinking about? Right? When you're not thinking about anything, what do you think about? Or what do you keep coming back to during the day? Or if you really lost it, if there was something you had that you lost, what's the thing that you would lose that would really, really bother you? So you already have things where you're not just thinking A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You get to A, B, and you stop at B. That's, meditation is just the stalling, the thinking, the using, the chewing, okay? So we all naturally meditate on what we desire, what we love. But then actually Luther also says, and there's negative meditation. Have you got somebody that really bothers you? Your next-door neighbor, your son-in-law, you know, somebody, somebody at work, your mailman? Somebody that you really hate, that's the same way. That's what Luther called negative meditation. It's hateful rather than loving. See, it always has this object. What takes your focus? So, um, not all meditation is divine because we don't, and now this separates us from, you know, the nervousness about Buddhist meditation or transcendental meditation or whatever else is going on. Not all meditation is divine. Um, Only meditation that takes... Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity revealed by Jesus Christ as its object. Okay, flip the page. This is five. So, how do we come to love God? 
And it's this, it's this quiz, you know, it's this, it's this question, which is, this is the practical, and this is why I love it. The, the, I mean, so often, and this is what I missed, I think, growing up in the church and even my seminary stuff, which, you know, I've had to come to lately and by myself, which is, okay, you want to do it, why would you do it, how do you do it, how do you get started? Well, here's the deal. Um, Christ always makes the first move. He chooses us. I sort of said that he touches us. And then the most amazing thing happens. Um, we love him back. Now, you know this. I mean, you know this. You can, it can be your worst enemy, but you crash your car. You know, you're, you, know you fall in a river. He pulls you out. Your worst enemy can help you, and suddenly you feel warm toward them. Or somebody in school has always bullied you, and they finally say something nice to you, and it thaws, Right? Well, how much more Christ, who, you know, though he was divine, did, you know, did not you know, despise the form of a servant, but came to the cross and died for you, Philippians 2. So what happens is, is wasn't even moving. What happens is, is that these words are spoken to you. Somebody tells you what Christ is doing for you. You feel the touch. It's, you're baptized. You get the Eucharist. The word is preached to you. Somebody loves you. And the great, this great word, midway down the page, Christ attunes, attunes us to himself. Attunes means, it is like tuning an instrument, but it means like Christ makes your life and his life in harmony. So what Christ does to you is he gives you his life. You get to start living his life. You're encouraged to live his life. He creates a desire. So here's the thing. I, I guess, you know, I'm not trying to goof around with words with you. I'm basically saying to you, if you do it, you'll learn to love it. If you don't do it, you'll never love it. But if you do it, this is what happened. You'll learn to love it. Because there'll be it someday, you know, maybe not on your day when you think you're invincible and everything's going well, but you're going to have a rotten day. And on that day when you pick up the text that says, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Christ loves you, you'll love him back. There'll be a day when you feel like you're all alone and Christ says, I'm with you, you'll love him back. Right? It'll happen. It'll happen. Someday, you know, and the difficulty of doing this and the reason to have your time in the morning and time at night is there are going to be days when you think you don't need this and then you'll stop and then you backslide. But every day, if you do it every day, the way the catechism says morning and evening, on your good days, it'll kind of remind you, uh, there's a great New Jersey saying, a great New Jersey saying, uh, she thinks who she is. We actually love that. If you think about it, yeah, she's thinking who she is, which means she thinks too highly of herself. On days when you're thinking who you are, the Lord reduces you. And on days when you think you're scum, the Lord raises you. And so every day when you start, what happens is, is the Lord puts you into this sweet spot where you're loved and protected. And the same way you go to bed at night, you go to bed in this sweet spot where you're loved and protected. Okay? Listen how he talks about this. Scripture transforms its lover into itself. No, no Lutheran ever talks this way except for Luther, which then should tell you what's wrong with Lutheranism. The trouble with Lutherans is they never read Luther. They read, you know, all this other stuff for the last 200 years that make them look like American Protestants. This is what Luther says. Scripture transforms its lover into itself. Actually, Scripture changes you. It changes you into itself. Okay? It changes you into itself and its strengths. 
To read Scripture is to, be, is to become Scripture, is to become the persons of Scripture, is to become love, is to become mercy. It's light. It is light, and they are enlightened. To read Scripture is to be illuminated. It is light, and they are enlightened. It is truth, and therefore they are disciplined. And that's even the harder part, which is discipline is going to cut the things out of your life that's untruth. It's going to take the lies away. It's going to take the hate away. It's going to take the evil away. It's going to take the malice away. But you'll be better for it. Man, I can never get done. Um, I'm going to tell you two things. Now I'm going to tell you one thing. Full disclosure. Um, the second last page. We're going to come back to this. Here's the thing. I've given you all these things, that all the reasons this is good for you. Take this home and read it. We'll come back to this. There are all these things, okay? But here's the other thing you need to know. You're going to suffer if you do this. And this has become extraordinarily clear to me um, over the last decade or so and actually talking to people who are very disciplined about this and, and, and looking at Luther's example himself. Luther always talked about suffering and the vicar's going to talk to you about this next week. I'm just going to tell you, part of the reason I'm trying to talk you into this is because it will change your life for the better. It will change everything about you. Like, this is the, I sort of said when we started, you know, St. John is kind of in its adult, it's in its late teenage years, which means it's just about to become unbelievably productive. You know, the next pastor is going to have a great run. You stick in, the next guy is going to have a great run. Ten years, twenty years, thirty years out, you stick in, centered around the Eucharist, centered around the liturgy, this place is going to have a great run because it's just about to burst in terms of maturity. The thing that's so, 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 so important is you don't lose your way especially when attacked. Churches are attacked for two reasons. They're either unbelievably faithful or unbelievably unfaithful. Everybody else kind of gets left alone. Churches get attacked when they're unbelievably faithful or unbelievably unfaithful. They're attacked when they're unfaithful because they've embraced evil, and evil makes the place into itself. They're also attacked when they're unbelievably faithful because you've poked Satan in the eye, and he's... Because Satan is the father of lies, he always believes that he can destroy Christ and the church. Christ has said, you know, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So if you're faithful and you poke him in the eye, he pokes you back, not because he can destroy you, but because, and this is very, very important, evil believes its own lies. Evil believes its own lies. So evil believes, even now, Satan thinks he can still win. He can't win. But what happens is, you all know he can't win, so you do all this Jesus stuff. You say the creed, you meditate, you go to the Eucharist, you love each other, you're merciful, you do good in the world, you're kind to your enemies, you don't have any enemies. And that just, that just, that is, you're poking Satan in the eye again and again. You're challenging the demonic. Well, what happens is, you know, you know this, the world pushes back. You push, the world pushes back. I just want to make you aware of this, but I also don't want you to be afraid of it. You don't need to be afraid of it. In fact, it's so common that evil just gets boring. Evil has no surprises. Normally what happens with evil is you get this big burst, boom! And then it gets very boring. You're like, I can't believe that happened. And then you say, well, there's nothing new under the sun. And eventually it dies under its own strength because it doesn't have, it doesn't, it's, it's not energized by what's divine. So the reason you do this is to protect yourself, your church, your family, your friends, and to grow in the faith. I just want to tell you, if you do this, you know, it's not going to be easy. The devil, the world, our flesh, all the catechism stuff is going to push back at you. It doesn't matter. It pushed back at Jesus too. 
You know, and Jesus was very clear, and we're at the end of the church here, he was very clear about this. You know, if they did it to the master, they'll do it to the servants. If they do it to me, they'll do it to you. Every disciple but one gets martyred. Every one of them gets executed. Horribly. You know? It doesn't matter. That's not the game. The game is not the end of your life. The game is your life resurrected in heaven. You've got to have the long view. So I'm going to come back and tell you about all the good things in this, but under full disclosure, I'm going to tell you, if you start doing this, you're going to struggle a little bit. Uh, a little bit is the key there, okay? Got to go. Come to hear the vicar next week. Then we'll come back and we'll do some more things. Next week at this time, I'll, if my luck holds, I'll pray for you at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre at the Tube of Jesus. We'll see what happens. All right, here we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks. See you. Try to carve some time out.